0: Kroger, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
2: Ready for the interview, and if you get a cue, live on a laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, Dr. D, PhD, hit the intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, home for the local. Gotta be social, network, global, home for the local. Mr. Sean Banks here on Dr. D's social network. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful, bro. How are you? I'm great. It's Saturday morning. I'm talking to you. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this, man. Yeah,
1: yeah, brother. Me too. I'm, I'm excited, man. It's raining out here in Atlanta, but it's but it's sunshine down here in the office. <laughs> That's beautiful.
2: That's beautiful. I, I love like and when you contacted me, we were chatting and stuff, and I was like, Man, this story seems amazing. I want the I want people to hear it. Let's yeah. go backwards. Where are you from? Let's go to the genesis of Sean Banks. Where are we at?
1: Man, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington.
2: Oh, my. I'm in Washington yeah. State, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm from Seattle, Washington. I grew up in the CD uh, right off of Yesler Street, uh, which, uh, you know, I grew up in inner city, uh, Seattle, Washington, uh, about in the 80s. Uh, so I remember what it was like before crack hit uh, Seattle yeah. and what it was like afterwards and just the, you know, just the changes. And uh, that's part of what inspired my mom to get us out of the projects uh, and to get us uh, to a better life. And so she worked hard to make that happen. And that's what inspired me to go after my dreams as well.
2: So where did those dreams, what did those dreams start out as initially as you became a young man, adulthood? What did that look like?
1: Uh, Well, it started out, my mom used to always, well, she used to always walk me past this car dealership. Uh, It was right off a pike in Seattle, and it was full of these Ferraris and and Lamborghinis and all this stuff, and she'd always say, you know, you can have one of those, and it was interesting because we were walking, you know, at the time, but (laughs) she'd go past these spots and say, hey, man, you know, you can have one of these one day, and she started a house cleaning service in Seattle, and one of her first major clients was uh, Mayor Norm Rice, and he you know, kind of put her on. They went to high school together in Denver. And, you know, when she got that account, you know, of course he put her on his other contacts and she started cleaning houses uh, off of Mercer Island and in Bellevue and all these huge houses. And so I built a dream. Uh, they were lawyers or doctors, engineers, all these people. And so my initial dream was, uh, I wanted to be a business owner and I always wanted to be in business for myself because my mom was a business owner. My dad was a business owner. And, you know, that was what I wanted to do. So I never thought I would be in, uh, you know, working with youth, though.
2: I mean, the youth part, I know it's like, where did that come from? Like you said, like, I never thought that would be. How did that evolve?
1: Well, I I never had a passion working with kids, but my mom put me in martial arts when I was about six uh, at the Boys and Girls Club right down the street from Yesler uh, to keep me from getting in trouble. And when so fast forward about 2008, uh, the market changed. And a buddy of mine said, "Hey, look, man. You know, we gotta figure out how to make some extra money for ourselves." And because I was in real estate at the time, yeah. And I said, "Okay, yeah, you're right. We do." Yeah. <laughs> and and, and he's like, "Man, how about we teach uh, women and children martial arts?" And I was like, "Hey, yeah, that'd be. That's a good idea. Well, yeah. Let's see if it'll work." Uh, and it actually ended up working for us. Now, the funny story about that or the interesting story uh, is ten years prior to that time. My aunt and cousin were, were murdered in a domestic violence situation. And I had always said that I was going to do something about that. I couldn't do anything about their death, of course, but I could you know, help other women and children um, yeah. to maybe be able to defend themselves, at least know to run or do something uh, yeah. to protect themselves. And so it was 10 years until, you know, I started actually teaching a martial arts. And that's when that seed came out of my heart, like, oh, yeah, like this is something I could do on my family's honor. And, and so that's what happened. And that's where it took off.
2: Oh my goodness. So what was it like working with like youth? You said you didn't have really a desire. You know, it's interesting when someone doesn't have a desire to work with kids, they generally don't want to be around kids. (laughs) Like, how did that transform into actually working with like, did that passion for children grow in you? Or was it just kind of like, how did that work out?
1: Man, the passion grew. So I was, um, so I was, Working at my church, and I was actually serving there, and they would always put me over in the youth ministry.
0: Yeah,
1: and all the time they would put me there, and I and I hated it, <laughs> and I would complain. <laughs> hey, Dr. Yeah. I, would, I would complain about it all the time. Like, why do you guys have me here? I don't want to work with any kids. They got snot all over the place, it's getting yeah, on my yeah. suits. Right, like I'm like, you like, who do you think you are? Right, you yeah, suits yeah, not on your suits, right? Um, but that's how I felt. And what happened is, I when I started teaching the martial arts classes. They were in these classes and I started seeing that so many young adults, so many young kids were lacking personal development skills. Okay. They didn't have the focus. They were lacking self-confidence. You know, it's like, we talked to some parents, we say, well, why do you want your kid in this class? Like, man, I just want him to pick his head up. Right. I just want him to believe in himself. And I'm taking it for granted, thinking that all these kids you know, know to do that. And they didn't. And so it started to really pull at my heartstrings more and more every day that there was such a big need and, you know, looking at different schools, and it didn't matter whether it was a school on the wealthy side of town or in a on impoverished side of town, yeah. all the kids were facing the same issues. They lacked development. They lacked confidence. They lacked focus. Uh, they were lacking self-efficacy, right? The idea that I can do something, yeah. right? My mom and dad might be great, but I don't know if I can be great. And, and so that was what all the kids were dealing with. And I said, man, you know, we got to do something about it. And that's where it started.
2: Right. Well, so what role does it sounds like there's kind of a break between the parents and the kids. The kids don't have that feeling. What role do parents play in that that you perceive they should be doing, or do or do they even need to play a, a larger role than that? What's your thoughts in that in developing a self-efficacy?
1: Um, it, the parent plays the most important role in developing a child's self-efficacy. Of course, second to the child themselves, right? But until a child can begin to stand on their own you know, they they get fed from their parents, right? I mean, just right. in a physical standpoint, a kid can't cook their own meal when they're three, right? So their parents have to feed them. The parent plays the most important role in building a child's self-efficacy in the beginning because children learn, right? And you know this, I mean, children learn the most of what they're going to learn at a young age. right? So when they can learn that they're great and that they're smart and that they're capable and they can, you know, they're talented, they're handsome, they're beautiful, and that they're unique, and that they're beautiful in their uniqueness then that creates a child that has an unstoppable attitude on the inside yeah. like oh man my mom thinks i'm great or my grandma or my auntie right, or whoever's right. raising them man i really can do this the point the parent plays the most important role uh and and how they do that is through love and love is spelled t-i-m-e spending quality time with that child develop developing them the best way that the parent knows how i mean you don't have to be a child psychologist to raise a great kid. Um, Most times it's your own experiences in life that you use to raise a great kid.
2: Right. Do you feel like there's a more disconnect between parents and children in today's society? Or what's your thoughts about that? Because you know, with technology, it's a whole conversation with technology and youth. Where are you? Where are you at with that and your thoughts? Uh,
1: I think that it I think that yes, there is a a greater disconnect in some households, or in too many, I'd say, Mm -hmm. because More times now we have, you know, technology or social media raising the kids, you know, TVs raising the kids. It has a greater influence, a greater impact than it did, you know, 10, 20 years ago where there was a little bit more structure at home. Now you have more single parent households or you have households where both parents have to work so much uh, that when they get home, a lot of them are just exhausted, Right. right? I mean, to have to, you know, work, you know, 12 hours and then when you get home, you need to sit with your child for them to read for 20 minutes, right? It, it, it's difficult,
0: it you know, is, on top yeah. of,
1: you know, cooking their food, getting ready for the next day, you know, trying to spend some time with them. The average American spends about 37 minutes with their child a day.
2: Whoa, I had no clue about 37 yeah. minutes? 37,
1: yeah, 37 minutes. <laughs> on average, it's 37 minutes a day. Wow. And, and, it's, and it's proven online, like it's a statistic, because, I mean, you spend all your time working, right? spend some time sleeping, right? They're at school. And then when you get home, you have this whole laundry list of things you gotta do when you get home. So we're talking about thirty-seven minutes of uninterrupted time a day. is about the amount of time that parents spend with their kids. So, yeah, it's it's a big deal.
2: Wow. Do Do you know if that's that number has changed from the past, or is that that's if it's uh, gotten more time or less time that parents Uh, spent?
1: Well, from what it's showing, it's less time. Uh, Showing that, yeah, showing that, yeah, that again, less time. Yeah, because well. What you had before is you had um, so you had two-parent households where you might have one parent that was at home all day,
0: yeah, right,
1: who worked at home. Um, then you had more more table time, right, where a family right. actually sat down and had dinner. Uh, you had situations where kids would get off of work and then go work with a parent, right? right. So there was more quality time going on. Now you have a lot of single parent households where there's one parent that has to do everything, yeah. uh, or if you have a two parent household, then both parents are doing so much, you know, that they don't have enough time to spend with their kids, and then they're giving them there's more crutches, right? There's TV, right? The kids are just sit and watch the TV. Yeah, uh, you know, there's social media, and so those things weren't there before. Uh, they're playing using more video game time. I mean, most kids spend two to three hours a day on a video game, right? right? As opposed to when that wasn't there, then that was outside play. That was going to play and doing something with your parents, sitting, talking. So, yeah, yeah, it is a big difference. Yeah.
2: So let's talk a little bit about the programs you're currently doing right okay. now that yeah. you're very passionate about and that have certainly have grown over time. Let's, let's jump into that.
1: All right. Well, we have. So it started with the IM Defense Institute. That was the thing that uh, kicked mm-hmm. it all off. From there, we went to Camp Warrior King, which is a youth development camp designed to expose kids to activities they normally wouldn't experience during the school year. And from there, we went to the You Can Have It All Youth Conferences, You Can Have It All Youth Magazine, which is the the only motivational development magazine for children in the world uh, that does what we do, motivating kids uh, through other children. Uh, Then we have the Team Hot Sauce Success Stacks, which build a child's self-efficacy. Uh, and then we have Team Hot Sauce Comics, which there's one of them on my hat, yeah. uh, which is all about motivating kids to go after their dreams. And then, of course, I've written a couple books on
2: youth development as well. And that's awesome. So what have you learned about yourself in this process of doing this?
1: <laughs> oh, man, I've learned a lot about myself. I, one, of the, one of the biggest things that I've learned about myself is that uh, I, I didn't allow my, my mind to get ahead of my heart. And and what I mean by that is that in my mind, you know, it's like, I want to do business and I want to make money for myself. And, you know, I was just thinking about that. And, you know, instead I allowed my heart to lead my, my dream is really a passion. Um, what I'm doing now is really a passion project. And I've been able to make a living for myself by following what was really in my heart. And what was in my heart was to be able to show kids how to develop themselves and to show parents how to teach their kids to develop themselves.
2: How, difficult or is it to work with parents with their children you know it's a touchy thing you know parents is, are very protective yeah. you know they have different some parents everybody has different ideas of parenting how do you approach right. that process
1: right uh so what i do is i talk to parents about um, youth performance development and so right. i try to stay away from talking to them about how to parent their child, as much as I try to talk to them about different skills to get their child performing better, Hmm. because it is a very touchy subject, you know, and, and it's a very personal thing. You start talking about how someone is raising their child. Yes. And, and, you know, as professionals, we don't know a child better than a parent does. So it's very intrusive to say, you shouldn't do that to your kid, or you shouldn't say that, or you shouldn't, right. And there's certain things that they know, but, you know, you have to be very careful. So what I do instead is say, hey, look, you know, this is how you build a child's self-confidence. This is how you can improve their focus. Okay, you want them to be the best in their school or you want them to be the best version of themselves. These are the things you do to do it, right? And I try to stay on that side more so than I do getting into um, just actual parenting. Yeah. You know, like, I, like I don't talk to parents about should they spank their kid or should they not uh-huh. spank their kid, you know, stuff like that. I try sure. to stay away from
2: Yeah. Has there, ever, has there ever been some resistance to the message that you're putting out there by some parents? Uh, normally, it's
1: pretty well received. Good. Uh, I think that anybody that, that you know, doesn't like it, just doesn't follow it. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't do it, right? Yeah, but, they don't do but it. For the most part, it's it's been pretty well received, because uh, we're talking about, you know, getting the children to be the best versions of
2: themselves. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like with parents, I'm a parent, it's like, you want what's best for your kids. I mean, most parents, I think, want their children to do well right, and, right. and they're willing to maybe invest in things for the children that they maybe wouldn't invest in themselves. Right, for right,
1: that. right. I see that a lot with the camp. Okay. Um, with, with Camp Worry King, the parents are extremely supportive because they see what the kids are doing. I mean, we have them spelunking, we take them hiking, we yeah. teach them how to shoot, how to fish, how to hunt. You know, they're roller skating, they're boxing. And it's a lot of things that parents just wouldn't have time to do, or they'd have to pay a a lot, a lot of money to show the child how to do all these different things. And so you're absolutely right. You know, parents want what's best for their kids, and they will make those sacrifices um, for their children that they wouldn't necessarily do for themselves.
2: I'd love to hear like a rewarding, like one of your most rewarding stories from uh, the work you've done. Like Okay. Yeah.
1: Cool. So, so one recently uh, has been uh, my student uh, Desmond and he <laughs> It's funny because when he first started at our camp, he's one of those kids that got in trouble all the time. Yeah. Uh, constantly calling his granddad. I mean, one time he broke a window at a church we were in and uh, I, you know, just always into something. Yeah. Um, but over the years, you know, he's always come back. He's continued to grow. Uh, now he's a junior counselor at our camp. And just recently he did uh, an interview for uh, Cameron with Cameron Shell for our youth magazine, and Cameron Shell is a gentleman that uh, put the um, uh, cameras on the space on the International Space Station, mm-hmm. and he's also responsible for leading the uh, the drone charge with getting drones to you know start shipping your your packages and stuff uh, you know to your house, and so that was really really cool just to see that development, and we'll be in Vegas in a couple weeks uh, with Cameron and those guys at the computer. Uh, consumer yeah. electronic show. Yes, <laughs> there you go, yes. in Vegas, uh, where he's going to have a chance to interview Cameron and do some real cool stuff with the drones and see a, uh, the drone uh, racing league and all that stuff. And so that's a, a story that I'm really proud of because a lot of the kids that we have pulled to write for the magazine were part of the camp and just about all of them quit except for Desmond. And wow. so it was a real testament to his character and his ability to stick with it, uh, his parents, you know, supporting him. And so we're really excited about that. Yeah. Wow,
2: that's a great story. That's really yeah. amazing. Yeah. Where does Atlanta fit into this? You're in Seattle. You're in Washington yeah. State. How did you get to Georgia?
1: Uh, well, my mom was like, we're moving to Atlanta.
2: Oh, she's, we're out of yeah. here, man. We're, we're out of here,
1: man. We're out of here. I it's was a big, big move. Big move. It was a big move, man. Uh, she decided to move to Atlanta back in the early 90s. Okay. And, uh, you know, just she and I, when we, we left, my sister was gone in college. My dad decided to split and go down to California and uh, we went to Atlanta. We actually hitched a ride with a special forces uh, officer that was going to Fort Bragg in North Carolina. Wow. And uh, so he helped drive the truck. Uh, most, most of the, it took three days and he drove the truck yeah. uh, while we rode and he's, you know, we slept. And that's how we got down to Atlanta. And, you know, and life just started over from there. I went to middle school and here, high school and then went to college, University of Alabama. Uh, and but yeah everything kind of that's how I got down here <laughs>
2: yeah I was like man where did how did that like I moved a lot growing up and as an adult And yeah. so I'm like okay I'm in Washington that's a huge move you're <laughs> like going woo.
1: Like, yeah man <laughs> like yeah it was a big difference man and it was a culture shock for me um, it was a I, I had never seen I mean, I grew up in the CD in Seattle yeah. for the first half of my life, and it was predominantly Black, but there was a lot of culture in Seattle. I mean, right. Seattle's a huge melting pot. It really is. When I got down to Atlanta in the early <laughs> 90s, it was right about, like, when Outkast came out. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I was nervous. I had never seen so many Black people before in my life. It just <laughs> one place. And I was, it was, like, culture shock, because it was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I mean, because, I mean, in Seattle – uh, you know when i was growing up i mean there were gangs there was all kind of stuff yeah. going on in atlanta you know i'm sure they had gangs but it wasn't like how the crips and the bloods were growing sure. up as kids it was a big difference So, I mean it was i was nervous like oh my god um but it was just a big culture shock for me it was a big change but it was a beautiful thing
2: man beautiful. it's awesome i you know what's funny i think i probably moved there the same exact time you did as i moved to georgia oh wow in the okay. 90s i was i was in a military family Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was in for 28 years, and uh, at one point, we were stationed at Fort Stewart, uh, Savannah, yeah, Georgia. Yeah, Fort yeah. Stewart. And I was there for, like, I think eighth grade in my freshman year of high school. Okay. Down in Richmond Hill, way deep south Georgia. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking deep backwoods Georgia.
1: Yeah, you're talking cotton fields, right? Yeah, yeah I'm
2: telling you. And so this is the craziest. So you moved from Seattle down to, to Washington Georgia I moved from Germany to Georgia wow. it was crazy <laughs> oh, wow. it was nuts <laughs> it was like no what is this place <laughs> it was like the twilight zone right <laughs> yeah I was like this is like too much for me like this is yes, like sir. crazy so I get that whole when you're saying the outcast and I was like oh man I remember that time like goody mob outcast I was like oh my gosh this is like this is my time period man that's right
1: that's right but just the just how different the south was at that time um in some places still are but just how different it was I mean it's just like it's like wow it was like being in a whole different world it was like wow and they would I would get teased a lot they would say I talked funny oh yeah and I would say well you know if I talk funny, you guys really talk funny. I can't understand. I can't understand what you're saying at all.
2: <laughs> I had the same thing. I was like, this, you know, it was funny because I was in Germany. It was a huge melting pot we were at in Nuremberg, Germany, on a military base, you know. Every type of person is in the military. I mean, right. you're getting people from all over the world. Right. And then I moved to a place where the, the only thing was black people and white people. That's right. No that in between. And it was strange because all the black people didn't look like me. They right. Were very dark skinned, like very yep. dark skinned. So I came in and I was, he, nobody knew what to do with me. They're like, right. who are you? Yeah. Right. Like, this dude's not white. He's, right. I guess he's black, but he's light skinned, you know? Like, they never right. see, you didn't send in, you didn't see light skinned people like in deep wow. South Georgia, you know? And I, and I remember I was sitting at the lunch table with a dude, he was with his, his uncle, and they were the same age. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> how does this work? How does right. that work? Right. <laughs> how, how, did, how did
1: that happen? It's how like, does it. this
2: happen? I was like, you know, and yep. I got yep. exposed to like people living literally in shacks on dirt roads yep. and stuff. I had never seen anything like that in my yep. entire life. It was such a cultural mind blow, you know? Isn't it something? It's something. And Georgia's something. a different place, man. It's a. It is. It is. How...
1: And when you when you go from Georgia and then you got Alabama and then you have Mississippi. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And, and and so then it's like, it's levels to it. You know what I mean? When you <laughs> go from Georgia to Alabama to Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: This... And I, we, know yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. we, we know what that means. We know what that means. Everybody yeah, like, "Wait a minute, what's the di-? No, we know what that means." Oh you know, <laughs> like, yeah, it's a big difference, boy. <laughs> no, you were so Atlanta, how has Atlanta changed from the 90s to now? Uh yeah. just in general and then talk about with with the youth and, and helping youth, how is, has that changed at all?
1: Yeah. Uh well, Atlanta has changed tremendously from the time I mean, it is it's a melting pot now. Okay. Uh, more, so, I mean times over than what it was when i was when i was growing up uh, in atlanta it's a lot more diversity uh, mm-hmm. it's a lot more spread out uh there's a lot more acceptance a lot more inclusion uh in, in georgia especially in atlanta uh, you mm-hmm. see with the last election uh that you know is more of a purple state now than even right. you know red or blue uh which shows the transition uh in georgia which i think is great um there's i mean there's so many beautiful people man and just the the vibe is good right the southern hospitality is still here uh, but you definitely get the influences from other places around the world. There's all kind of great places to eat, man. Oh, <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're trying to lose weight, Atlanta's not the place to come. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: not the <this> spot. <laughs> we,
1: nah, man, nah. Um, you know, when it comes to the kids, I mean, of course, you know, there's a lot of great places where there's a lot of great kids doing great things all over the yeah. state of Georgia. Um, you know, educationally, you know, competitively, sports, you know, they're, they're doing a great job. Uh At the same time, you still have those pockets and areas where the children are being influenced, uh, you know, drugs, gangs, you know, all that stuff is still going on. Um, And, you know, it's uh, I think that you're seeing a a larger disparity between, you know, kids that are moving forward and kind of keeping up with the times as far as technology and things. And then there's this group of kids that are getting caught up in uh, what's going on in the world. Right. They're being impacted by the people they admire on social media or on TV or just in their community. Uh, And So you're seeing the violence on television. You're seeing, um, you know, the educational um, proficiency, you know, decrease, you know, some of the kids. And so that's still going on. So there's still a lot of work to do.
2: Is there a lot of work that you do or maybe consulting with kids as they move, potentially go to college and things like that? Or is it primarily like younger children?
1: Uh, So I work with kids as they go into college, especially the kids that are coming out of our program. Mm -hmm. We try to stay in contact with them as much as possible. Uh, I do some workshops and stuff with young adults that are in college, trying to get them to continue to go after whatever that dream is, Mm -hmm. right? And to keep them competitive, right? Because it's it's a world economy now. I mean, you're not Mm -hmm. competing against somebody else in another city next door. You're competing with kids from around the globe. And so you have to be ready for that and you have to know what's going on. And we tell kids all the time, you know, look, you, you need to know what career you want yeah. <laughs> a little sooner than before. You can't say mm-hmm. you want to be a cab driver in an Uber environment, right? I mean, yeah. even being an Uber driver it, right now is right. short lived because in a minute they'll be automated. I mean, self
2: driving, man. Yep. man.
1: You already see it, right? All these commercials. So, you know, you have to be cutting edge and you have to continue to uh, adjust and know what it is you want to do
2: what are the dreams that young people in your experience are reaching for these days? I feel like I'm out of touch with that in the sense, like, you know, you're working with a lot of kids. How, what, yeah. what are they shooting for? You know, we were growing up oh, it wow. was a different dream about things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, a lot of kids now, I mean, you hear a lot of them talk about they want to be gamers or gaming oh, designers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You hear a lot of gaming designers. Um, a lot of them want to be engineers or getting like building robots. Uh, I think a lot more kids are getting into, you know, just wanting to do tech. Uh, wanting to be involved with tech and space and everything that's happening are uh, you seeing that a lot of course you know you have kids that still want to be doctors and lawyers and teachers and and all the um uh, you know careers that you know were around when we were kids yeah but you still but now you're getting a lot of kids that want to get into you know the tech stuff you know um there's a drone program dragonfly uh that's doing the push to get more kids between the ages of kindergarten and 12th grade into drones because that is a huge 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 um pool that they're gonna need pilots for because these drones are well, because it's just like you know the drones that use for war, right? Overseas, they use them for war, but then you have drones that are used for every part of life now. So they're carrying um, you know, supplies back and forth from oil rigs, right? Well that pilot to fly that drone is different than a pilot that is going to do like a search and rescue mission out in the woods. Yeah. Right. And that pilot is different than a pilot needed to go and do Um, to survey land for a forest fire. And so there's at least 100,000 jobs that are going to be needed in the next couple of years for people that are flying drones, right? Um, And that's pretty much flying it from, I can't remember the acronym, but from a different location, right? So they're in a station somewhere else and they're flying that drone on another part of the country somewhere and actually doing that job. Yeah, so that's some of the pushes that are coming from tech and the kids are into it because they're playing video games. (laughs) They already... You know they already know how to do all this they're already doing it anyway they're already Yeah.
2: Doing it. Yeah. Wow is there anybody? any kids that are like have a dream of being artists you know maybe maybe Absolutely. not you know I feel like art sometimes always kind of gets pushed to the back.
1: Yeah. But, you know it's like
2: oh you you're going to be a struggling artist you know you're going to be doing all this there's still I mean my daughter's a huge artsy person like uh-huh. I wonder what that art future looks like for her you know like stuff like that.
1: I think it's going to be great. Uh, I think the the need for art is going to be great, the, because art is so much a part of a culture that you can't really have culture and have cultural richness without art. Yeah. Um, because art pretty much defines the times that we're in, what's going on. It's an expression, uh, and so when you start talking about art, you have different kinds of art now, right? So you have like NFTs that are that are huge. That. It, it's rapidly expanding
0: right so there
1: the need and desire for art is great is going to continue to be there um, the co-founder of Airbnb just donated $100,000 a year um, to one of the high schools out in Gwinnett to Brookwood High School to their art department oh,
0: that's um, great.
1: so that kids can have more of the things they need for art because art is that big of a deal so I think yeah. that for the future for art I mean it's going to be great it's just what does it look like Right. What yeah. is art going to look like, you know, 10, 20 years from now, as opposed to, you know, what it looks like now. But I still think people will want, you know, pieces of art in their house. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think that's going to go away at all.
2: Do you think kids are different now than they were when we were growing up and like in their maturity level and how that their nuanced things they have or you feel it's a very similar child? Development?
1: Uh, I think I think the parents are different.
2: I think, okay.
1: Yeah. The parents are different. The children are the same, right? I mean, children, you know, the children are are the same. They're coming out the same, right? A a child with a brain and needing to be loved and to learn. The parents are different. Um, the, the parenting styles have changed. The parenting dynamics have changed, Mm -hmm. uh, things that were, you know, traditionalism is not what it used to be. It is, you know, in a lot of ways, Traditional households are gone and, you know, and then you have, and that's both good and bad, right? So traditionalism isn't always the best way for a future. A lot of times it's stifling. Uh, And we see that, we see that a lot now where people push their traditional views on the way that children are learning or the way that households are. And so parents have changed. Parenting has changed. The parenting child has changed. Parenting style has changed, yeah, and so that's why we see some of the changes in in the kids. I don't think that the kids are necessarily, you know, worse. Um, it's just the situations are different. You know, fifty years ago, a kid would go to school and then go out into a field and work, or have to go right. work in a in a in a steel mill or something like that. Yeah. Whereas now, that's not there. So of course, a kid's not going to be as tough as you know a (laughs) seven-year-old 1960
2: right yeah yeah (laughs) it's just a little it's
1: a little different right so I think the times and the parents have changed yeah
2: yeah that toughness thing is interesting to me actually because like there's almost a sense that kids are growing up in a technological world where that's making life easier for them Mm -hmm. and adults too So how do you ride that line between developing this grittiness, this toughness versus the convenience of living at the same time, you know?
1: Right. Uh, You continue to push the and that's where that traditionalism that where it comes into play, right, where you continue to push the values, right, the values of work ethic. Still need to be there, so you know. No, there's not going to be a robot that's going to clean your room. You're going to clean <laughs> your room, right? Um, there's not going to be a robot that's going to sweep the floors all the time. Yeah. You're going to do that, right? That little, that little circle robot that can yeah, go all yeah. around, right? Right? No, 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 no. That's you, son. That's, you. that's definitely <laughs> You're you. Yep. <laughs> You're going to take out the trash. It's right. So it's continuing, continuing to do um, those things that will continue to have those kids to have that sense of work ethic or grittiness, if you will it's it's instilling those values. It's you know, hey, you might have somebody that comes and cuts your that landscapes your yard. Yeah. Uh, but hey, sometimes you might want to have your kids do it to learn that principle, right? Because they learn so much and just being out and cutting the grass, being in the grass, they'll learn the value of work ethic or whatever, yeah. or having them go do community service. Uh, I think that all those things are really important. Technology has made it real easy for us. But at the same time, I, I don't know if it's necessarily better all the time yeah. that is easier uh for example you have this high tech high touch challenge and technology is great for what it does but there's nothing like human human interaction right there's nothing like a kid having to have that experience of saying do you want to buy these cookies and somebody yeah. saying no i don't want the <laughs> cookie <laughs> i don't I don't no. want your i don't like your lemonade yeah. i don't want it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right that that feeling of having to you know pick themselves back up and yes. keep going is extremely important.
2: Yeah, I think so. It's, and then so people like have to keep those values instilled in children. Yeah. It's just always this push pull to have more DoorDash, Uber Eats, right. so, you know, it's like humans don't want to go backwards. And right. it's not like they're trying to create more right. manual labor. Humans right. are trying to have the path of least resistance always. <laughs> like, so it's a challenge to like, Have resist even having resistance is a challenge sometimes. Absolutely, we're trying to almost take it out of society in some way, you know.
1: Right. Yeah. No, we are, and and so it's, but it's understanding that the, you know, we're not necessarily going back when we do some of those. We'll just say traditional things, right? Like just cooking, for example. We're not going back. We are. We're maintaining those values that need to be there. If You know, because yeah, it's it's great to just get Uber Eats or something when it's like, man, retired and you know, man, I don't have to cook. Let's just order (laughs) something real fast. And it and it was always designed to be for a convenience. It was never designed to be a staple. Right. It's like every single day, right, is what you're doing. But like you said, we don't want to go back to you know doing that. But we have to maintain that sense of doing those things because it makes a big difference. If not, your kid will never know how to cook. Right. (laughs) that that, that, that was a lot
2: (laughs) i mean a lot man a lot of these kids don't know how to cook anything anything no matter all a lot of them
1: (laughs) (laughs) a lot yeah yeah they don't i mean and and they got to learn how to do it because there's you know it's it's character building it's fun right it it gets them into something different you talk about ways for parents to spend time with their kids cool way to do it is hey look we're gonna let's cook a meal together tonight yeah Let's make yeah. some cookies. Let's make a cake. Right? All, instead of we yeah, we can always go to the store and just get a cake or we can yeah. get an Instacart order and get the cake sent to the house, but let's do it together. And one of the things that kids love more than anything is the memory right? Yes. That's in their mind, the memories of doing it. I mean, I remember baking cakes yeah. with my dad. I remember when we went and, you know, we went fishing together and neither one of us knew how to fish, but it was so much fun trying to yeah. figure out how to get the worm on the hook, right? All those things build memories and especially, and then using the technology to support that dream. For example, mm. how cool would it have been when we were kids to be able to have videotape and pictures of all of our experiences? Yeah. Right. We didn't have that. I mean, you had to, you know, you had the little camera, you had to turn and click, <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you know what I mean?
2: But yeah, I remember. Yeah.
1: You know, but if you can have all those experiences, I mean, that's, that's really leaving a lasting legacy that one day your kids are going to have this whole dossier of all these cool experiences yep. that they had. And not only will it be in their mind, but they'll be able to go back and look at the video because technology makes that possible, right. To be able to see your smile, your laugh. Oh, I remember that yeah. fell in the water and, and all that's there. Yep. Yeah, it makes a big difference.
2: You're right. It's powerful. My daughter said something to me the other day, she's 10. We were, she hadn't used this toy or whatever for a long time. I said, oh, we're uh-huh. going to you know, give it salvation yeah. arm or whatever. And she's like, right. no, no, it's the memory of the <laughs> It's exactly When you said it hit me, it's just like, I just remember us going to get it. Yep. And it made me feel something. And I was like, yep. she's right. The, memory is, the more, memory is more powerful than the actual object.
1: Absolutely. You. Absolutely because that that's what i mean that is what makes children stronger and that's also what tears kids down right i mean a mm. lot of like the cycle of abuse right children that are abused tend to abuse other people right for the same reason because of the memory they remember what happened to them and so they do it to others right it's just the same thing hurt people hurt people that's so right. when kids have positive memories and you can build those positive memories that's more important than having 20 pairs of lebrons yeah right? Right, I mean, they're not going to remember all those shoes, no. but they're going to remember the—they'll remember the experience of going to get the LeBrons yep. and your credit card being declined, and, <laughs> and everybody yeah. laughing out loud. Right. They'll remember that more than the yeah. actual purchase and getting the shoe. Yeah, right? and so it's those experiences; it's the memory that
2: makes a big. difference. Man, you're so right, man. And I, I didn't sometimes. Sometimes I did get—I get disconnected about that part but it's true. Everything that I remember growing up is all a memory yeah. of all these things, you know, of, of landing in Philadelphia from Germany and then going down to Georgia and experiencing <laughs> just the, Color I'm purple. thinking of all the other, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was back was like when cross colors was in, you know, and stuff like that, people yeah. wearing their stuff backwards, yep. you know, like crisscross yep. and stuff. I was like, I what just re- I don't on. remember any of the clothes like so much, but I remember different m- memories of that. You know, right. it's powerful. Right. to Have that. Right. And man, that, that yeah. spoke to me big time. Yes, sir. <laughs> like, <laughs> So how <laughs> like with the people with with the kids you're working with, is it is the demographic more black youth or is it uh, a melting pot of children generally that you're working with?
1: No, it's a melting pot of children. That's awesome. That I work man. with it's a melting pot of children. Uh, the our youth camp is predominantly black,
2: mm-hmm. uh, but
1: some of the other things that we do, we have a good, good, good mixture of kids.
2: So, uh, how much responsibility do you feel as a black man in helping other black youth uh, have the accomplish these dreams that that you're talking about?
1: Uh, I, I, I find it to be a huge responsibility um, for. Well, and really for, for, for youth of all colors, because yeah. the for black youth is special because they need to see as many positive black men as possible. Yes. Right. They need to see more of us in all shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds, everything they yes, need sir. to see us. Right. And then for other cultures of children, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, they need they need to see us because what they tend to see on TV or social media or whatever tends to be more more times than what I would like is negative, right? The perception yeah. uh, of us uh, tends to be skewed in one way for whatever reason, right? And so to be on a grassroots level to be able to say, hey, you know, you can do it. To look at a kid that has a totally different race, totally different background, that may not have even come in contact with the black man in this way and to look at them in their face and say hey man you're going to be okay you can do it yeah you you can have whatever it is that you want in life or hey look man you know get up off your butt and go make this happen yeah Um, to be able to have that impact on their life is is a great responsibility and so you have to be it's very humbling um especially because it's something that i didn't want to do in particular when i started (laughs) right
0: Uh,
1: so it's like you know okay, here we are. So how do we do it that really impacts them in a good way? Um, And you have to be patient and you have to really, you have to know your stuff. You know, you have to really know your stuff because, you know, with children, you know, again, it's that memory, you know, we all remember when people have said hurtful things to us when we were younger. And you tend to remember those more than you do the positive things. And so it's like we have to be it's a big responsibility to make sure we're saying the right things and doing the right things.
2: Most definitely. So where do you see your programs going in the future? Like you, as you look forward, what visions or goals do you have for the work that you're doing?
1: Oh, man. Uh, So with the Youth Magazine, I want the magazine in, in on every single continent. I mean, hey, penguins can read it if they know how to read, (laughs) man. Um, It's man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, I I want the magazine all over the world because the magazine motivates children to go after their dreams. And, you know, motivation is a universal language. No matter where you are in the world, everybody wants to feel good about themselves. They want to be happy regardless of their situation or their culture. And so it's really important that we get the magazine around the globe. So that's something that I'm really big on. Because, you know, it's funny because like Whitney Houston said, the children are the future, man. Yeah. And if we can get them to continue to be positive and headed in a positive direction and believe in themselves, you know, that one kid that takes something out of the magazine, has it on their wall, and that motivates them to get through whatever situation they're going through in life, then we're doing the right thing. And so that that's where I see, uh, see us going, is just getting getting everywhere around the world, man, getting in these households, on the coffee tables. Uh, or, or on on the, out of the on the video game stand or whatever <laughs> <Video games>. yeah <laughs> in their yeah. Fo-
2: yeah, in their phone next to you call know. of duty or something <laughs> right Next to call of duty
1: right like, yeah minecraft like the guys and then yeah. read about being inspired <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah oh so, man that's great i mean you you seem like just such a you exude this great energy sean yes sir i love that's it so like it be. just this Soon as we came on, we clicked on. You're like, "Yo," yeah. I love that. I love that energy. Yeah. That it's infectious, man. I'm yes, feeling like you, you're doing that here with somebody you haven't met. You're yeah. definitely doing it amazing with all these kids you know and parents. Yeah. And so uh, I yeah. commend you for the Thank great you. work you're doing, man. It's, Thank you. It's special to know someone like you. Seriously, it's it's yes, an sir. honor to be chatting with you. It really. Thank is. you.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. We gotta do this again.
2: Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, most definitely. I would love that to do it again. I, I mean, I love having these conversations. You get to talk with people from all over the planet. Yeah. 400 plus episodes. The, the interviews just keep wow. coming, man. Just popping wow. another one, another <laughs> one. Pow. Wow. Every single industry you could think of and type of and people. it's great. It's amazing. It's, it's an education for me. I get to learn. Yeah. About yeah. all these things that I don't know anything about. That's great. I get to man. arm myself with information. You know? Right. Which is powerful. Is powerful. Yeah, it's And I powerful, learned that man. growing up, you know, and, and living a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. And like that move you made from Washington, Atlanta, that was an important move, man. It did, yeah. It did something, <laughs> you know. It's just that process of not being, just trying the adventure of something right. different, starting right. something new. Your mom, I'm going to do this. Yep. I'm going to yeah. create something. Man, that's powerful when you create something, you know, yeah, no man. matter
1: what it is, you know. Very. That's right. You're right, man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love that stuff. I really do. Sean, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I will definitely get you back on for sure, but please have an awesome rest of your day and please let everybody know they can get everything, find your, your work that you're doing with kids. Please do the spiel, man.
1: Hey, So thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, And to find me on Instagram is the best way to connect with me. My IG is sfdreamsbig. Uh, that's my Instagram handle. That's to DM me, contact me right on IG. For everything else, for the magazine, for the conferences, the, the orphanage, which is something that's really important to wow. us, um, you can go to the website is YCHIAMAG.com. That stands for You Can Have It All Magazine.com. So if you type in You Can Have It All Magazine, it'll pop right up. Awesome. That's, that's that's the best way that's to get a contact great. with us. Well, yeah. thank
2: you, Sean, so much. I hope you have an awesome rest of your Saturday, man. Hey, I plan to. Man,
1: you do the same. You got it. All right. At Kroger,
2: we work with local
1: farms
0: right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself. Because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger. Fresh for everyone.